Hi, this is Amy Beheimer, and you're listening to the Habit Hub for Autoimmune Health, Habit 33, Practice Meditation with Dr. Jill Wiener. Welcome to the Habit Hub for Autoimmune Health, a podcast to help you shift from managing autoimmune disease to creating autoimmune health using the power of everyday habits. I'm your host, Amy Beheimer a coach and doctor of pharmacy on a mission to create health and happiness with multiple sclerosis. Here we focus on everyday lifestyle habits proven to help the mind and body heal from the cell up without sacrificing the true joys of life along the way. To create autoimmune health in the mind and body, you have to be great at one thing, the skill of mastering habits. That's why each episode includes everything you need to do just that, evidence-based information and real life inspiration from the experience of my guests, my clients, and yours truly. All habit heroes brave enough to turn a desire for health into daily decisions to create it. Let's have some fun. Welcome everybody to another habit, another episode here on the Habit Hub for Autoimmune Health. I am super excited. I'm joined by Dr. Jill Wiener, and I'm going to let her introduce herself, but I want to start by saying that she is actually the woman who taught me to meditate for the first time. And so is often in my mind, even though that was four years ago now, oh gosh, five years ago now doing the math. So welcome, Jill. I'd love for you to just introduce yourself for everybody. Uh, Thanks for having me. I can't believe it's been five years since, since you learned to meditate. So I'm Jill Wiener. I am an internal medicine physician by training, practice hospital medicine in Chicago for 10 years. Halfway through that uh, 10 years of practice, I got really burnt out and I, I was the least meditative person ever, most skeptical type A, anxious doctor type. But I you know, hit my burnout rock bottom and met someone who told me they meditated twice a day and their teacher was coming to town and I went and heard their teacher speak called Vedic Meditation. And I was like, I need to learn this yesterday. I'm, <laughs> yeah. Everything that he's saying is like exactly what I need. And my brain, like, how does he know what's happening inside me? And uh, learned to meditate. And that really just kind of set off a huge shift for me that eventually led to me doing a meditation teacher training in India for three months in 2016. And now I teach meditation and do many other things not that do not include clinical practice anymore. My goodness. I love hearing that because we often you know, find these different paths that maybe we didn't start out on, you know, me, same thing with doing pharmacy and all of a sudden had a little bit of a left turn because of our life events. So it was Mm -hmm. born out of necessity. It sounded like. Yeah, absolutely. And and I wasn't burned out anymore. Like it actually worked and I was happy enough practicing medicine, but I just felt like there were other, other things out there for me, other uses. So just Mm -hmm. to get started, what, what do we mean? How do you define meditation or meditating? So that's good. That's a great question. That's going to differ depending on who you ask. So I teach a type of meditation. I call it conscious health meditation, but it's in the lineage of Vedic meditation or transcendental meditation. So it's very, very different from mindfulness. So people in my side of the tradition might say like, what we teach is meditation. The other stuff is mindfulness. It's not meditation because in our tradition, we talk about meditation as the ability to like reach this unique state in our brain called transcendence that is like a physiologically distinct state from sleeping, waking, and dreaming. We say that that's meditation and that other stuff would be more like mindfulness or contemplation. 
I think that's like a little bit arrogant. So <laughs> I think that, you know, meditation would be, there's a million different types of meditation. There's mindfulness, there's chakra meditations, there's guided meditation. So this is one of many types that does kind of focus on using a simple, a mantra and a simple technique to achieve this state of mind. Yeah, that's, that's great. And I love how inclusive you are. Cause you know, we talk a lot about in making habits, sometimes we have to redefine words in ways that serve us and that make sense for us. Yeah. And so if a certain type of mindfulness or meditation and we're calling it meditation, there, there's nothing wrong. If it's helping us achieve, helping you achieve what, what you set out to achieve. Yeah, exactly. I love that. So in meditation, you know, when we look at what it is, we kind of covered why, and, and I'm excited to hear it from you again, five years later, because one of the things I was drawn to was your medical background and knowing the human body. And it always helps Hey, if something makes us feel good, we're going to be drawn to it, but then adding in the knowledge of what it's doing on a chemical level, you know, to our biology is huge. So what are the whys we want to consider adopting some sort of meditation practice in our lives? Um, so I can speak to specifically the, the kind of meditation that I teach because meditation is, I'm sorry, mindfulness meditation is going to have, and other types are going to have like a, a slightly different physiologic basis or benefit. Absolutely. In terms of brainwaves and all that. I'm not an expert in brainwaves. I think it's, I think it's theta that, that my type of meditation activates, but like, that's not something I specialize in. But the, the main thing is that when we get into, and, and by the way, anyone listening, who's like, what is this unique state that you're talking about? That's different from sleeping. I, I'll never get there. It is literally the easiest thing ever. And I have never taught anyone who has not gotten there. And I can verify that just based on the experiences they're telling me. So just, you know, if, if you can take that as something that is actually achievable, we're de-exciting our nervous system. So we're kind of like, it's like, if you think about sleep being a certain amount of restful for our body, we're going you know, there's been some, some data. I don't know how much I would like rest my bet on that data just because it's done by the transcendental meditation organization. And they had a, a, a purpose <laughs> to validate their type of meditation, but it can be a lot more restful than sleep, but, but based on the way that our body is extracting oxygen from our hemoglobin cells. So it's not restful, like sleep rest, but it's more like our physiology is actually going into a deeper state of rest and it gets more efficient. So we're activating the parasympathetic nervous system in this state. So that's the rest, digest, heal part of our body and kind of allowing our body to release some of the stresses that it accumulates over a lifetime. The stress center of our brain is the hippocampus and amygdala. And the hippocampus is basically always looking around to find things that might be threatening to us and comparing it to things that have happened in our past. So every time we and it takes a snapshot. Every time we have a fight or flight reaction, our body, our brain takes a snapshot to keep us alive in the future. So it doesn't happen again, because our brain doesn't know that we just had a fight or flight because like our kids misbehaved. Yeah. Um, it thinks that it was life-threatening because that's what the brain is doing. So and it's what, and it's well-intentioned. It's, it's, that's what we. Well-intentioned, exactly. Like it just, it, it kind of misfires because it's not healthy for us to go into fight or flight when it's not actually life-threatening, but it's either triggered or it's not triggered. And so basically we carry around those stress memories with us for our entire life. And this is actually like, I think at this point, as far as I know, like quite verified, this is like stress and trauma that lands in our body. It is kind of known to do that. 
And so when we get into this de-excited state of our brain and our body, we're actually able to release and heal a lot of those um, traumatic memories, those stress scars that are in our body and release them. So one of the reasons why people who teach the type and do the type of meditation that I teach kind of get a little bit of a like, we have something that you don't have is because in addition to it being relaxing in the moment, it is also kind of excavating some of this old stuff that we carry around with us. And that kind of leads to us being less reactive in our day-to-day life. So it kind of, because we go into this physiologic state, it allows us to access different healing states that we might not be able to do if we're doing like a mindfulness body scan. And I love that you said that because when when people asked me after I learned from you and when people would say, well, what's the difference? What do you notice the difference? What I found, I always said, and I still do, is there was something would happen and I would have such a long pause. I would get to choose how long before I responded versus when something used to happen, I would just react immediately. And an easy example I can think of is driving. I used to commute from the city to the hospital I worked at, and I just would get so, you know, just kind of snap and react. And all of a sudden something would happen. And I noticed, whoa, I have this, I have seconds to choose what thought I want to think, which will cause what feeling I have in my body and then respond with an action. So I love that you said that. And I can say firsthand, that is one of the hugest things that has stuck with me to this point. I love, I love that. And that's, we call that adaptation energy. It's like our bank account of patients. And because we're getting the deep breath and also because we're healing these old traumatic scars in our body that allows our brain to kind of hold on to more of our, the rest that we're giving ourselves with the meditation because life is hard. And I to like lose all any adaptation I got from sleep before I would lose it like by nine o'clock in the morning. And so with the regular practice of the meditation, you, you feel the benefits of it. It's not this theoretical thing where it's like, oh, there's this thing that's happening in my body. It's like real time. Like you're saying, yeah, less road rage. I mean, I remember that happened for me three weeks into my practice. I was like, I'm not, you know, losing my mind behind the yeah. wheel. Anymore. Yeah. So, yeah. Or, pe- or people say things and, and it maybe would be something before I want to react so quickly. And I just, I'll find even, even now someone will say something and I'm just watching with curiosity and really planning my response, which I think has, is a super skill with, you know, leading other people and and getting to coach people for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. And I know there's a very specific method that you teach, and I'm going to include a link in the show notes. If anybody wants to go and see it's it's a online course that people are able to take at their own time and be exposed to this but for the purposes of today when we get to the how what are a couple key hows if people want to get started today i mean i think there's a million types of meditation so if guided meditation is what a person wants versus trying on their own versus taking my course or someone else that teaches like me i think one of the things that's nice about what I teach is that it's just kind of easier to do. So it feels like less of a battle of like banging your head against the wall, but whatever it is, I think the habit formation is probably the most important part before you start anything. Yeah. And, and what, what do you, what have you tried in the past? What's worked? What hasn't worked? Some people try headspace and they love it Yeah. and it's changed their lives. I'm not going to be like, come take my course instead. My course is better because they're like loving headspace and that's all they need. Yeah. So it, it just kind of depends on where, where people are at, but for the, the practice I teach, cause I can give specific examples for that. 
instruction on how to fit it into your day and how to create new habits is part of the course. And we meditate first thing in the morning and then sometime in the afternoon or early evening. So just kind of knowing like, this is what I'm, this is the time that I do it and, and making it, I'm much less perfectionistic about the way I teach it now, because I don't want to create people feeling bad about themselves for, for more things. Cause I teach a lot of physicians, specifically women physicians and other women in healthcare, and they have enough that they're beating beating themselves up about, but generally it's twice a day. And if you know when you're going to do it and you know why you want to do it and you're feeling the benefits of it quickly, it's a lot easier to actually make time for it and just treating it like it's non-negotiable. I love that because the, what you mentioned about building a habit, step one, maybe finding that time and being real with yourself that maybe your brain will offer that you don't have time, but talking back to your brain and realizing I do have time. Even if I choose, I always say trust in the tiny, like anything worth doing is worth doing tiny. So if it's two minutes, you know, what if, um, you know, that is ABC steps, ABC is where will this live in my day? Do I have two minutes and really believing that you have the time? And then some of the details of, you know, potentially learning a more advanced method, that's more like X, Y, Z, you know, but, but let's look at the ABC, which with meditation offer is often is overcoming that, that loophole that your brain is offering you that you just, you could never find the time to do that. Totally. And I mean, when I first learned, I never would have like the day before I learned, if you were like, you'll be meditating 20 minutes, twice a day for the next week, much less the next, what is it? It's 12 years coming up next month. Like, yeah. I haven't missed a meditation in 12 years. Now I am an extreme example of that changed my life. And I don't ever want to go back to how I felt before, but like, I never would have thought that I could have done it, but because I was taught how to do it and taught how to incorporate it, it worked. So if I had been like, "Uh uh-uh, no, it's not going to work for me because I'll never, I mean, I was carrying a pager on me 24 seven. Yeah. I didn't have kids, but I had like plenty of other stuff going on. So I didn't, I never would have thought it. And I would have just said, no, I'm not going to do it. And all the things that I maybe missed out on because of that. Well, and and I err on the side of extreme as well, where mm-hmm. if I, if my brain latches onto a rule, it does really well and, and can be kind of rigid. And so, for example, a couple years in, I was also, you know, taking time twice a day, one habit strategy that, you know, I practice and teach is sometimes we need to add things to a list of no for now, but not forever. And so twice a day, I had a phase where you know, I twice a day felt like a lot and I actively chose to keep the habit, do it once a day, but it wasn't that it was just slipping. I I made the choice and then followed through on the choice and I added it safely to my no for now, not forever list so that it, it didn't fall off, but there is room for us to make sure we are, we are allowing life to happen. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I remember you reached out to me, you were like, it's just feeling like you know, not fun right now. There's, you know, a bunch of reasons for that, that you and I talked about. And also like, we are in choice all the time of what we do. And if it's not feeling good and we're starting to associate dread and badness with it, taking a deep look at why perhaps, and also, like you said, making the the intentional choice to cut back to once a day or to take time off and then come back if you come back. And if you don't, yeah, you will when you want to, or you won't. And like, if, if life is great without it, then cool. Life is great without it. And then. And, and I, this week have, have practiced. I have two minutes. I'm going to trust that two minutes is better than, you know, the, what I, the amount that I would like to 13, 15, 20 in an ideal world. So 
Are there any myths that, that are there any myths that you want to touch on that you hear out there about meditation that we want to dispel? Sure. Um, and again, these are what, because what I teach is different from mindfulness. I think a lot of people assume that all meditation is what they hear about on like headspace or mindfulness-based stress reduction or something like that. And please also don't get me wrong. I love those practices. I think they're really great and have so much benefit. And I use them a lot in the other work I do in the anti-racism space. Like mindfulness is so important. And if, if we practice what I teach without doing any other work, it actually like anything, it shouldn't be practiced alone. There's other, we all, we all need multiple tools to kind of make the progress we want to make and in the most effective and safe way. But I think a lot of people think you have to sit uncomfortable to meditate uncomfortably. You have to be focusing and concentrating and um, like using effort. And the whole premise of what I teach is like zero effort so that we're able to activate the parasympathetic nervous system more easily. That meditation is just for people who are like, you know, not serious people, not professionals, for people who have brains that aren't busy. I get that a lot. A lot of people are like, I just always thought my brain was too busy to meditate and kind of breaks my heart a little bit because that's what we're told. We're sort of like shamed out of even trying it because we have told ourselves certain things about our brain. Everyone's brain is busy. Like that's the thing is that every single person is like, I don't, there's no way I'm going to have 20 minutes twice a day to practice or whatever the practice is. And every single person is like, I'm going to be the one person who is not going to be able to get to that transcendent state. Yeah. Yeah. Been there. That's what we think, you know, and I'm the only person whose mind is racing with thoughts all day, every day, but that's what the mind does. So rather than fight that, we try to embrace that. And I love that you said, you know, it takes, this is just a piece of the puzzle. So when we look at the habit hub, we have six folks and this, I would say falls in the rest and relaxation, kind of the reasons you gave that it really can help restore some of that, some of that deep rest and build up that patience bank. And another spoke is in good, the good stress. So it can actually be where it feels uncomfortable to carve out the time to do it. But, you know, we are actually training our bodies and our brains that we are able to do uncomfortable things and actually end up on the other side of it better for it, better for, um, better for it. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I'll even say it's connection. I mean, I, I took your course with a fellow friend, Candice. And so we connected on that. We still relate and talk about it because we speak the same language about it. Um, I've connected with you. Um, so we can really find all these different areas that uh, around the habit hub that it can lead to, you know, health and happiness. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you. I feel like everybody, everybody hopefully has a better idea or makes me feels that it's more achievable, you know, if we want to start a meditation practice, I like to end with a do of the day. And so um, I maybe have some ideas, but any idea come to mind for something that people can do today to um, take a step forward? Well, the first thing we'll do to check out my course, um, I'm, I'm kidding, not kidding. No, it can be. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a thing. Like go check it out and you'll put the link to it. it it's got continuing education credit for like pretty much all healthcare professionals for anyone mm-hmm. listening who is in that uh, bonus. World. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great uh, bonus. And if you're like, uh, uh-uh, not yet, you know, check out headspace, do a guided meditation. I don't love guided meditations. Like I'm kind of picky about them. Um, and there are some that I do like, but some that I don't like, but just try, like try yeah. one type, 
Yeah. And if you don't like it, then that's not a cue to stop meditating forever. That's a cue to try a different type. Just knowing that meditation isn't a um, monolith. Is that the word? Like it, there's a million different things to try. So there is probably going to be one out there that does work for you and just not giving up. So try one yeah. and then try again. I love that. I'm going to add, a, I, I love those. Now we have several, maybe we'll call them do's of the day. But what, one thing is, you know, who do you know in your life that maybe does meditate? And maybe just get curious and ask mm-hmm. them a question or two about it. You know, what, what benefits, you know, maybe someone at work has mentioned it or uh, a family member, you know, you know, will talk about their, their calm app. And so maybe borrow some of the thoughts of people who are meditating, people who are feeling the benefits and allow yourself to step into what they're experiencing to, to maybe spark some curiosity to take a next step. Well, I can't thank you enough. I know that you may be coming back later for, we'll talk about um, maybe some other things you're you're an expert in. So it may not be goodbye forever. I really appreciate you taking your time to share with the listeners. Thanks for having me. It was lots of fun. All right. We'll talk soon. Thank you for joining me for this episode of The Habit Hub. I am forever grateful for the time, energy, and attention you share with me. Are you ready to take what you learn here on The Habit Hub to the next level and apply it? I'd love to invite you to feel the magic that happens when I wish becomes I will by joining me inside Club Habit Hub, your home for making health a habit. I'll teach you, coach you, guide you, and cheer you on as you learn and take action to create autoimmune health in your mind and body so you can feel better today and worry less about tomorrow. Head to www.amybeheimercoaching.com forward slash join to get access to the coaching curriculum and community waiting for you inside club habit hub i'll see you inside and one last thing be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode where i just might cover the habit your body has been waiting for if you're feeling extra generous please leave a rating and a review it's the best way to help other warriors find us here special thanks to my editor sarah the habit hub is a production of amy beheimer coaching llc Talk soon.